Let your glory fall. Let it happen, Lord Jesus. At every campus, every time we gather, let the glory of God fall. That's really what we've been talking about in Holy Land, letting the fire of God land on us corporately, on us personally, on our families, every time we gather. Jesus said in Matthew 16, 18, I will build my gathering and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So we are gathering for God. Hey, Promisers, it's great to be with you this weekend. Love you guys so much. Thrilled that you chose to be here. This is the last weekend of the Holy Land series, and I hope it's meant as much to you as it has to us. Hey, didn't the, didn't the Rising Communicators do an unbelievable job last weekend? Come on, every campus, come on, give it up for it. Man, they did a great job. Come on, amen, let it, let it, let, come on, yes. Here's the deal, the future is bright at Faith Promise because the next generation, and we've got communicators, we have got leaders, I'm so encouraged about what's gonna happen in the years to come because all the people that God is rising up from within our ranks. So thank you, God, for what you're doing. Now, as you're taking sort of a panoramic view right now, let me tell you what you're looking at. What you're looking at now is some incredible footage from the Dead Sea. It's a magnificent place. Again, we were there in March of this year, and we are going again in October of 2018. We've planted over fall break so folks could actually take their kids a week out of school. It is a bucket list trip. People are never the same when they go. So you're sort of looking at it. And really, it looks magnificent. It looks absolutely beautiful. It's the lowest place on the planet. It's about 1,400 feet below sea level. It's about 2,400 feet below McGee-Tyson, the airport in Knoxville, Tennessee. So everything flows down. It's the lowest spot. It's a blast to swim in because you can't sink. So all you do is float. Literally, no matter how hard you try, you can't get your whole body underwater. So it's blast. It's about 34% salt. Oh, by the way, if you go in there, if you have a cut or you've got a little chafing action going on, it will light you up because of the saline content. Again, about 34%. It's beautiful. It's gorgeous, but it's dead. It's just at, there is zero life in that sea. So as you look at it and say, wow, that looks so good. How can it be so dead? It is. It's dead because... Everything flows to it, but nothing flows out of it. Life flows to it. Water with life flows in, bringing life. But because zero goes out of it, it is dead. It kills everything that comes to it because nothing can go out of it. Really, the lower that you are, the lower you feel, the more flows to you and the less flows from you. The, the better you feel, the closer you are with God, the higher you begin to grow in life, more flows to you, continues to flow from you and out of you. And that's the plan. That's the will of God for every single one of us. The Dead Sea is the perfect consumer. Always receiving and never giving. Always getting, never giving. That's exactly what it does. It is an end unto itself like so many that we know. Honestly, there are people 
that fall at different levels of being like the Dead Sea. They love to take in, but they don't love to give out. They love to receive, but they don't love to give. And so everything flows to them. Nothing flows away. It literally kills your inside, just like the Dead Sea. Let me tell you something else about the Dead Sea. Every day, it's getting a little lower. It's shrinking. Every matter of fact, you can go as we drove around it, you can see it has dropped a couple hundred feet because now Israel and Jordan are both taking water flowing from the Jordan River that flows all the way down to the Dead Sea. They are taking that water out for drinking water. So now less life is flowing to it and it's and it is even more dead if that's possible. So that is, that's the the Dead Sea. And that's what happens to our hearts when we don't let life flow out of us. When we want to receive it, when we want to get it, but we don't want to give it, it it literally shrinks our hearts like the Dead Sea. Because what God wants to do is God wants us to be givers. He wants us to give love. He wants us to give generously of our resources, our finances, of our gifts, of our time, of our talents. See, God is pouring into us, and what God wants is those things to flow through us to our families, to our community, to our small group, to faith promise, and yet when you are an end unto yourself, you become just like the Dead Sea. You may look good. There may be resorts all around you like we stayed at at the Dead Sea, but still if there's nothing coming out, all there is is death, and people just die slowly. A lot of people wonder, Hey, why don't I have more joy? Why don't I have more peace? Why don't I have more victory? The Bible promises me that I'm going to I'm going to get all that. I don't understand. Why don't I have received more of that? Well, the dead if you're like the dead sea and you're receiving and not giving, that was never the heart of God. See, God God wired you for community. God wired you that when you give, you feel better. When you serve, you feel better. When you're loving others, you're receiving joy in return. But if there's nothing, if there's nothing flowing out, then you just become you become it into yourself. We become dead seas. As Christ followers, we are rivers. We are conduits. We we receive from God, and then life flows out of us. Would, would y'all would y'all agree with that? Would you agree that it's the will of God for every single person at every campus this weekend, even our God behind bars campuses, that what God wants us to do is let is let life flow through us? Come on, I, I know that you do. So let me ask you a couple questions. Do you want to flow into your full potential? Do you want to do you want to allow God to raise you and take you? Or let me ask you another one. Do you want faith promise to flow into its full redemptive potential? And let me tell you what that means. Many of us have family, our friends, coworkers, teammates, classmates who do not know Jesus. And they are they're not going to heaven. And so for us, achieving our full redemptive potential means many people that you know are going to give their hearts to Jesus and they are going to get their names in heaven. They are going to miss hell and gain heaven. That's what we do. So faith promise achieving its full redemptive potential makes makes a difference in your life. So if if we're going to achieve our full potential, let me tell you what can't happen that's actually happening today. We cannot fall prey to the 2080 principle. A mathematician in the 17th century named Pareto came up with what's called today the Pareto principle. And that is that 
20% of your effort gives you 80% of your results. At Faith Promise, it means that 20% of the people do 80% of the ministry. It means that 20% of us give 80% of all the resources. And frankly, it, it maps out pretty much exactly like that. When we look at all the people that serve once a month, we look at all the money that comes in and, the, and, and where it comes from, about 20% of the people that attend do about 80% of the ministry. Now, let me ask you a question. Come on. If you're, if you're thinking, say I am. Okay, here's the deal. If we're going to achieve our full potential, then 20% of the people cannot do 80% of the stuff. They can't give 80% of the money. It, it, means, it means 100% of the people giving of themselves, giving of their tithes, giving of their talents. It means 100% of the people serving the body of God. Now, now we're talking about the fire of God falling. Now we're talking about maximizing ministry. Now we're talking about going to a whole nother level. So let me ask you a question. Can we exceed, can we beat the, the, the Pareto principle 2080? Let me tell you, I know that we can because many of you guys are stepping up in generosity. You're going to step up in ministry, and now is the perfect time to do it. See, what we're going to be promisers is thriving rivers of God's grace, God's love flowing to us, His Word, His Spirit, and that flowing through us. We are just going to be rivers of the grace of God to our communities, to our neighborhoods, to our ball teams, to our schools. It's going to be incredible. It all, it's already mind-blowing all that God has done. Imagine as we step up 5%, as we step up to 30% or involved, 40%, 50 60 Imagine all 7,000 of us this weekend, all committed, all connected, all saying, I will get on. I'm, I'm going to get in. I'm going to get in the game. Pastor, you can count on me. Let, me. let me tell you why right now is perfect. Because we are just about in a few weeks to send 500 promisers to our new Fair Get launch. Amen. Come on. Can somebody get fired up about that? Amen. Come on. 500. And almost all of those people are leaving Pellissippi. There's some that are leaving Blunt, but the large majority are leaving Pellissippi. And guess what they're leaving? They're leaving two or three hundred spots that you that are not serving get to fill. See, so say, I'd love to serve, but there's not a spot. Guess what? There's a spot now. 36 student group leaders are going to Farragut. Dozens and dozens of volunteers, servants, and Epi kids they're going in our production team at every level, at every aspect. They're moving to launch Farragut. That's opening up a space for you. You've been thinking about it. God's been dealing with you. Well, now is your time to get in the game. Right in front of you is a communication card. Fill that out and say, I'd love to serve at, and man, put it in the put it in the offering box, and the, the right people will contact you. Because again, man, we've got to step up. Now, let me tell you what else that's going to what else is going to happen at the Pellissippi campus because of this launch. Starting in July 29th, we will discontinue the 8:45 service. I know you early risers, you guys hate that. I got it, man. I'm an early riser, but but we're but with 500 new seats opening, we're gonna we're gonna go back to Sunday morning to 10 and 11:30. So let me ask a favor. Those of you that are in the 845 service 
and you're staying, you're not going to Farragut, it would be unbelievable if you could move to Saturday at 6. If you can't, roll over to 10 o'clock on Sunday. But listen, this is what I call growing pains. Come on, are we willing to do whatever it takes? Then, then there's going to be growing pains at all of our campuses as we build new campuses, as we add new services, as we continue to move. So uh, it's, it's incredible. We're going to have, really, I believe Vegas is going to launch with 1,000. It's going to be a new normal at Faith Promise Church because God is, he's just raised our faith, our belief, what he's going to do. So it's, it's, it's just rocking. Now, let me give you a thought. Again, let's go back to the Dead Sea. Beautiful scenery, but nothing but dead. Absolutely. With that in mind, let me let me let me share something with you that God has been impressing on me. Really, I've been struggling with this decision for over two years. In my journal, in my prayer time, I've talked to some of my mentors. So it's been a two-year issue that I finally, in the last couple of weeks, have settled in my spirit with the sovereign God and something that He wants us to do. Starting in August, we're going to add an offering time in our weekend worship experience. Now, you heard that right. Some of you have been in this church for 20 years and you've never seen Faith Promise receive an offering other than on a heart for the harvest. But here is the deal. Matter of fact, can I tell you, we have a whole generation that's grown up at Faith Promise that's never seen an offering. They, they, don't, even, they, they don't even know what's going on. They don't understand it. But at, at the core of generosity and giving, it's all about worship. And so we want to reinstate that because we want to reconnect generosity with worship, giving with God, that, that we give to God because we love God. So we want to we wanna connect that back again. See, what we did by, by moving worship I mean, by taking an offering outside of our worship experience, we disconnected the offering from worship. Does that make sense? And I got to tell you, this again, this has been a battle for me. It has been, it's been a tremendous deal uh, to, to decide to go this way. And I really believe it is the absolute will of God. Now, if you give online or you use the kiosk or you give in another way, listen, I'm going to ask you to please continue giving in that because I know Michelle and I, we're, we're going to keep giving online because it's easier for us. We just set up recurring giving. It's easier for the office. It's easier for church. But 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 those of you that give in the sanctuary, instead of an offering box, we'll take a time at the end of the services and we'll be taking an offering. It's brand new. <clears throat> it's huge. So let me just give you some thoughts. Well, why, why would we do that, Pastor? Well, it's a great question. Let me tell you. Biblically, you go all the way back to the beginning of Genesis, and let me tell you what you find. You find Cain and Abel bringing an offering to God. Now, Cain and Abel were taught to bring an offering by their mother and father, Adam and Eve. So here they are. They're, they're bringing an offering. Of course, you know, we got sideways because Cain brought the leftovers and Abel brought the first. And God says, bring the first to me, and Cain brought the last. And so his offering wasn't received. Abel brought the first. And so offering is there. We, we, we move on and you will, you will find it. Uh, you'll find it all the way through. Matter of fact, the word offering is used 811 times in the Bible. All the way through as an act of worship, 
the people of God brought an offering. They brought their lambs. They brought their rams. They brought their money. They brought, they brought produce. They brought all these things that they brought and gave to God at the tabernacle, at the temple, today at the house of God. We have done it for thousands and thousands of years. You go on and you find Abraham giving a tithe, bringing his offering. Of course, you know the great faith move of Abraham being willing to offer his the most prized thing in his life, his son. And yet God says, don't do that over and over. We, we see Moses teaching about offering and the sacrifice for God. Malachi 1, we see God angry as we wrap up the Old Testament. Malachi 1, uh, 3, 8 through, uh, 8 through 12 said this, Will a man rob God? Yet you're robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse for robbing me. That's strong language. The whole nation of you bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house and test me now in this, says Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. Then I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of the ground, nor your, uh, will your vine in the field cast its grapes, says the Lord of hosts. All the nations will call you blessed, for you shall be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. It's clear. It is biblical all the way through, old and new. It just, it rolls through. We see Jesus at the temple watching people bring their offering. That's where we found the story of the widow's mite. Jesus is bragging because of our offering, because of the sacrificial nature of it. And then Jesus ultimately becomes the sacrificial offering for our sins, the appeasement, the payment covering our sins. See, offering, man, you, you, you can't read the Bible. You can't go through it without, without an offering. Today, we worship the Lord through giving our tithes and offerings. In, Ma in, in Matthew 23, 23, we see Jesus following up with the, with the Pharisees. He said, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, for you tithe men and dill and cumin, and you've neglected the weightier provisions of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These things you should have done, tithing, without neglecting the others, justice and compassion. So see, offering is, it's all the way through. So when we come to the house of God as an act of obedience, an act of worship, we bring our tithe, our whole tithe in the storehouse. We bring our sacrifice of praise, that's, that's, that's worship with music into the house of God. We bring our service into the house of God. We really, we really, John chapter 13, we wash the feet of others as we serve each other in the house of God. People right now are, are serving in kids ministry and preschool ministry. People are serving in tech ministry and worship ministry. People served all week in groups ministry. Wednesday night in student ministry. They're, they're just all over. We're washing each other's feet, serving each other. See, when we come to the house of God, we bring we bring worship, uh, and our offering is a form of worship. That's why I want to place it back where it belongs. Now, many times I've talked about generosity, and I've talked about the budget. It's just a, it's just a wrong focus. I should have never done that, but I did. See, a budget is an internal tool to, to ensure that those people responsible for the resources that faith promise do a good job. We bring our offerings, by the way, to God through his church. You don't give to Christ, you give to Christ. 
when you give online, when you give text, when you give the kiosk, when you drop money in the offering plate that'll be coming another month, well, however you choose, you are worshiping God. You are giving that to God, not to me. So again, if you give online, let me encourage you, man, continue doing that. Continue giving that way. That's that's a huge help for us. Now, some of the most generous people on the planet are promisers. And what we want to help every single person that attends this congregation to give their lives as a drink offering, to be poured out to God, not just on a weekend worship experience, not just on a mid midweek student service or small group experience in your living room, but 24-7 living our lives putting God first and living our lives as worship unto him, just a living as a drink offering. Now imagine the fire of God, the favor of God, the blessing of God, not 20%, not 30%, not 50%, but look around you. Just look around every congregation, God behind bars, look around. What would it be like if every single one of us gave God his tithe? What if all of us said, I want to serve? What if all of us engaged in worship to God, giving God our absolute, full, complete offering, a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of our lips, Hebrews 13. We're talking about the fire of God falling. We're talking about 100% of us serving. See, listen, don't be a dead sea. The, the Dead Sea is dead because nothing can flow out. Now, it can't flow out because it's the lowest spot of the planet. Everything flows down to it. Don't be the lowest spot on the planet. Don't be the lowest spot in your house. Man, let's, as God gives to us, let it flow through us. As God blesses us, see, if God can trust you with his gifts and his resources, he will heap them on you because that is going to resource his vision. That's going to resource his kingdom. See, a dead sea has no life. Don't live like that. Man, listen, generous people are blessed people. Generous people are joyous people. So we, so what do we do? We engage in worship, and part of that is bringing our whole tithe into the storehouse. It's just what we do. See, if we want rivers of life flowing to East Tennessee and to the entire world from Faith Promise, then 2080 won't cut it. Hey, Giving God just part-time or pastime won't cut it. If we want Pentecostal power, then we're going to walk the Pentecostal life. We're going to be radical. We're going to serve God. We're going to love God with everything. Now, let me tell you something about the Dead Sea. It will have life one day. You go back to the prophet Zechariah. Zechariah said, when the Messiah touches down on the Mount of Olives and he looks straight across the Kidron Valley, and he will see the Eastern Gate where he will enter in to the Temple Mound. Between that is the Kidron Valley. And right through the Kidron Valley is the African Rift. There's a tectonic plate that, that right there, there's lots of earthquakes already. And when the Messiah touches down, there's going to be an earthquake, and a river is going to flow from the Kidron Valley all the way to the Dead Sea, and it is going to elevate the Dead Sea so that it can begin to flow out and it will have life. What God wants to do, listen, He wants to pour into your life. The Messiah wants to move into your life. He wants to bring things into your life, not so that you can be a consumer, but so that you can be a contributor. So it will flow 
to you and through you. And as it happens all around you, life will happen. People will be attracted. People will be saved. Service will happen to, to the kingdom of God. It's incredible when you live the God life. When you say, God, flow through me whatever you want. When, when, let me tell you, it's going to be incredible. Then when the Messiah comes back, it can be incredible today. When you say, use me, Lord, here I am, send me. Yeah, we're going to take an offering. And you know what, God, I'm going to bring my whole tithe. Whether I do it online, whether however, I'm going to bring it online because I'm all about some worship. Are y'all with me? I'm all about some generosity. I'm all about I'm all about putting God first in everything. Man, we want we want our experience to become a river of life. Jesus said, let me let me let me wind this up. Campus pastors, it's gonna be your time in just a second. So, man, roll into place. In Revelation chapter 22, verse 17, last chapter of the Bible, and the Spirit and the bride say, Come. And let anyone who hears say, Come. And let the one who was thirsty come and the one who wishes to take the water of life without cost. God is always looking to pour a river of life, to pour the river of the Holy Spirit out of your innermost beings, he said, will flow rivers of life. They will bubble up from within you. It will flow out to others. Listen, you're never, you were never meant to be a dead sea. You were meant to be an incredible oasis where everybody around you comes and gets a long drink of the spirit, of the love, of the grace, and the kindness of God. Jesus is ready right now to pour that river into you. My question is, are you ready to receive it? Campus pastors, we love you. Church, give them a hand as they come up. Take it over. We'll see you guys next week.